0: I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and FC. I'm Moose Hockwonger. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right, thanks man. How are you? Ha <laughs> ha,
0: I think I'm a lot less tired than you. Yeah, it's all right. a couple of late nights. Four full and an essay on Klopp coming up, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I it
1: appreciate. should be up by the time you hear this. Great stuff. I went a bit whimsical about Kloppo. Good. So that should be up on the ringA.com eh? forward slash soccer. Hey, there you go, a bit of admin. Straight away, straight with the admin. Uh, thanks to everyone who um, joined us on Spotify Live the other night, straight after the Real Madrid Manchester City game. That's up on the of C feed now. Uh, for those of you who had problems with that episode because uh, initially a duplicate got published, it's all updated now. But if you're still getting the Liverpool episode, then maybe just try it on another platform just for that episode because it might just be an issue with updating. It will eventually fully update. We checked them all. Well, I checked them all before I, I went to bed finally, and they were all working fine. The only issue might actually be with the actual Spotify app. You can listen to it on desktop or it works on other apps just for that one. So if you're having trouble getting that last episode, then uh, maybe just try it on another one for now. But also just a quick disclaimer, I don't actually publish them, so I can't have that kind of power. You know, it's funny though.
0: See how everyone added you in a time of crisis. Yeah. And I was just like, Despite your now. express you instruction, despite your instre- express instruction at any problems at Kwonka, no one added me because they know that you're reasonable. <laughs> they know you all engaged. You feel flattered in a sense. In a sense, you feel flattered.
1: Yeah, although it's it, it did feel a little bit like you know when you're like putting out a fire and someone's like the cat, the cat,
0: and I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute, I've only got two
1: arms. <laughs> Do you think I am, Jan
0: or Black? You think I, you know? Well, well, actually, he's not catching cats at the moment, so he's not catching much <laughs> No, he's not catching apart cats. From he, from- <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, um,
1: yeah, sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it does. So, apologies, but it should all be fine now. Any other admin? Writers House is back next week. We've got Chloe Kelly on the show. That's a
0: big what? coup. That's amazing.
1: Ahead of the Women's FA Cup final. We've also got Callum Jacobs coming on, the editor of a new formation, the book we've put we've mentioned a couple of times that you've got an essay in, Jeanette Quachi's got an essay in, uh has got an essay in, Sana
0: Koreshi's got an essay in, loads of people. She's so got my favourite city player and my favourite writer on black culture. What do you know? That's listen, that's a great week. Awesome that's a great
1: week. week. So that'll be on Writers House on Wednesday. And then just two studios next week. You lucky, lucky folk. Just the two. They're like, oh God, thank God. <laughs> oh my God. So the, yeah, today is the final one of our four straight stadios. We're going to talk about the Europa League semi-final second legs. We're going to talk about the Conference League second legs and maybe a couple of other bits. Did we say we hope everyone's staying safe and well? Because We hope we they are, but it's always good to say. We it's really good to be explicit. Good to be yeah. explicit. Yeah. That's yeah. one of those kind of like, we don't have to say it to so think it. But yeah, we do but it's good it's good. it's good good well. to say it's good to say it. And uh, yeah, let's get into it after this. Let's do it. We need to give a quick shout out to Seattle Sounders, who became the first ever MLS side to win the Concacaf Champions League. That's huge, man. It's big. They beat Pumas the other night. It was uh, just after we'd finished uploading all of the of Wednesday's episode. That's a massive achievement from Seattle Sounders. Only Mexican sides have won it so far, and hopefully. That opens the door to other MLS sides pushing for the,
0: for the CONCACAF Champions League. I knew it was big because I got a, a DM from my um, very excited cousin at 6am saying, until further notice, Seattle is definitely the football capital of the US. So there we go. Oh, wow. The rest of the US is <laughs> just throwing the gauntlet down. Wow. But yeah, congrats to
1: Seattle Sounders. It's huge. It's huge. Massive. So yeah, just wanted to throw that in as a shout
0: at the top. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to start? Should we start in Frankfurt? I actually was tempted to start with Rangers, but we can go to Frankfurt's nice because Frankfurt had a big opening. So let's get to that. Let's start with Frankfurt.
1: The reason I want to start in Frankfurt is because it's 42 years since Eintracht Frankfurt have been in a European final. They will play Rangers who haven't been to a European final for 14 years. And then in the Conference League, you have Roma who haven't been in the European final for 31 years playing Feyenoord. Who haven't been in a European final for twenty years?
0: But Eintracht, I like that you start here only because not just with mean, the history behind it—that's incredible anyway—but the um the energy in this tie on and off the field. We'll come to the off-field stuff later. But just the way that the Eintracht fans set the tone. Oh my god! Yeah, listen
1: so much so that that uh, people didn't understand that they were actually live flames (laughs) in the crowd. (laughs) They're like, wow, it looks like people have got strobes. And it's just like, no, 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 that's actual, actual there's a lot of of fabric around and that's actual
0: fire. Welcome to Germany. I mean, we, we may have remarked before this podcast on the interesting and perhaps even ambivalent relationship the Germans have with fireworks. Yeah,
1: I've lost count of how many times I've been at a Bundesliga game and there's been an announcement saying no pyrotechnic in the... <laughs> you have to ask. And it's and every single time the announcement comes on, you can just hear them being like, I know that they, it's like someone on the train doing an announcement to keep your feet off the seats. It's like, no one's going to listen, but I've got to do this. Yeah. It was that famous one of when Dinamo Dresden went to the Olympia Stadion for the cup game and it was just like one whole end of the Olympia Stadium was essentially on fire. But you know, no one does it like quite like Pauk, put it that way. We've
0: t- yeah, yeah, we have. That's, it's yeah, it's, it's hyper. It's really special to see them back there. Really special. Um, it is
1: really special. And I'm really, pl- and I'm really pleased for Oliver Glasner because he did a really great job at Wolfsburg. And when he made that Eintracht move, we were a little bit like, huh, this is going to be quite interesting. Mm. And getting them through to this final, I mean, that first, what, 25 minutes, 26 minutes, there was so much drama because Eintracht lost Martin Hinterregger after about eight minutes, but it looked like he pulled a hamstring. And that's such a shame for Hinteregger because he's a bit of a... I think saying cult hero is a little bit... sounds like you're downplaying someone's ability.
0: I think cult hero is fair to say where it's someone who... The respect for their game doesn't necessarily extend that far beyond the fan base and maybe there's an element that's underrated or they've also devoted a large part of their career to one particular club and building it up. So it's not always a... It's negative. I think
1: it's... Yeah, I remember when he went um, on a bit of a goal scoring run a, a while back and it was just... Uh, Eintracht Twitter was just amazing (laughs) I really hope that he's back for the final after that not long after that Aaron Cresswell gets sent off nine minutes later completely fair red card I think
0: yes it was interesting because they actually although their strength has been with Eintracht Mm. they didn't really get Kostic involved that early on they went through the middle quite a lot it's interesting Mm. and the red card came from that long ball through the middle over the top fairly straightforward maybe Targeting Cresswell, who knows? Certainly targeting Pace, Hauger, brilliant player who was on loan to Milan. It was excellent for Serie A fans who would have seen him there. And just in a foot race, Cresswell just got completely undone. I mean, I saw it, and I was just like, "That's a clear red." You know, you see it, and you are like, "That's yeah, yeah."
1: I mean, yeah, you just can't really defend like that one on one when you are the last player. No, no, no. You could kind of tell Cresswell knew
0: when he was waiting for the red card. When he was waiting, he got booked,
1: and you could just tell he was kind of like, "Oh no, this is yeah, this is bad." It's weird stuff like that because you know that VAR's there, you know, you know, the law, it's probably better just to let them go and not, that sounds really weird thing to say, but in terms of like tactically and strategically for the entire game Mm. and also just the emotional blow of of going down to 10 men so early, Mm. it's probably best just to chance it and trust your goalkeeper in that sense to make a save.
0: But the fear I, I, I get, yeah, that's, that's the logical reaction. But the human reaction.
1: I mean, yeah, you try being that, logical in the Val Stallion. That's
0: the, exactly that atmosphere. <laughs> it's on fire. That atmosphere, biggest game of your career, probably, possibly. Well, one of the biggest games of your career. A very fast attacker coming in behind you and oceans of space behind you. You've been sent off in a previous uh, game in the knockouts. Mm. All of that stuff is in your head, right? On a human level and the tension. And then, of course, the terrible knock-on effect. It's like, it's a bit like when I'm, are you going to say when Jens Lehmann got sent off? Again? Oh no! I'm oh no. going to do it. You don't. No, I'm not. no i am not going to do. I'm not going to do it. Like the Lanzini. So I'm not going to no, mention that. No, it's fine. That. I know. We all gonna... know what you're talking about. But here's Musa the thing. Just, so,
1: Musa just wants to hurt me. I So just want Lanzini. Podcast. Musa just wants to hurt
0: me. The really sad thing there is, then you have Lanzini having to go off because yeah. of the red card, and then that just reconfigures everything. So you you, you lose twice over. Kostich almost well could have scored from the free kick that resulted. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I mean. You know, Frankfurt already had some intensity to begin with, but then Knauf, who's been brilliant in the knockouts, he's been brilliant in the tournament for Eintracht. Again, as a pivotal character, setting up Bory for the lead. And to be honest, thereafter, it was kind of done. It really was, wasn't it? It, was, it, it felt done. Like the control, the ma- and this is credit to Glasner, credit to Eintracht. And here's the thing, actually, funny enough, Glasner, because he did not have much firepower at Wolfsburg in terms of like, you know, goal mm. scoring became absolutely expert at defending narrow leads. And so yeah. like when, when I tracked our goal up, you're like, okay, like Wolfsburg fans would have watched this and been like, yeah, now we know what's coming. And just maintained a really good attacking tempo and intensity. Touré almost scored, actually could have scored. Um, and I track could have won 2-0, but they were like, it, what I liked about the way they attacked was, we don't have to go like gung-ho for the second goal. We'll get mm. it if it's there, if it's offered, but fundamentally we know that we've closed this thing out.
1: Yeah, and bar a couple of moments of scrambling from set pieces, it didn't really feel like West Ham had had
0: any massively head in hands chances that they that they missed. Not really. There was one. I mean, the most enjoyable point in the match was a uh, from West Ham perspective. I thought was when Mihal Antonio wrestled a defender away from him at oh, a yeah, corner. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> just like picked him up and moved him to one side. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Did you leave the Christmas tree up for like two or three days extra and eventually <laughs> someone just like <laughs> tosses it out. It was like that. Uh, are we going to talk about Moyes' weird red? I think we have to. It was, yeah, weird is the word. So um, David Moyes getting angry that the ball's not being returned quickly enough. So lashes it at uh, one of The young is, ball person. Yeah, player, a member of staff. And absolutely thrashes it from close range. And then like- So weird. Then swears a bit. But the speed of the ball though, like if that catches, and, that, and, and the, I think the ball boy was turned, had the back turned at the time. That was like extremely dangerous actually. Like that's an extremely dangerous, and not, not only is that, but also like the loss of control.
1: Well, I mean, old man kicks ball in anger at young person for no reason. That's basically all that happened. I know that there's, you know, there's shit going on. He's in a high pressure environment and stuff like that, but David Moyes has been around the block. Right. And then the apology afterwards was just the apology, non-apology, just almost deadpan being like, yeah, I apologize to the ball boy, he said. But, you know, he kind of, I think he said he like, he threw it back a bit softly and it sat up perfect for the volley. Like it was some kind of banter thing. It was just like smashing a ball at a young person from that close range because you think they didn't give it back quick enough. When have you ever been to an away ground when the home side is leading and a ball boy or ball girl has rushed to give the opposition the ball back quickly? Right. For a start, you knew what this was. Secondly, it wasn't even that slow. The ball had only just bounced past before the ball person put it, like gave it
0: back. Mm. So I don't know, man. I just think, I just find this is really odd. It's really off. Yeah. It's a bad look. It's a really, like, it's a really it. bad look. And he's lucky it didn't, to be honest, he's lucky it didn't connect. Like I was watching that video again this morning and I was like, he absolutely rips that from point blank range. That catches that kid in the back of the head. It's serious, man. Yeah. If he, if he gets a heavy fine for that, he can't complain about that. And also I got to say as well, I'm going to sound like I'm going to get criticism for this, but it's like, do you know what? Like I actually really disappointed in seeing a lot of the online reaction to that, like in terms of, yeah, I did. it's amazing how much weird. people buy into like stuff when it's their team, I suppose. Um, But yeah. Yeah, just weird. And to be honest, like an a really disappointing end to a brilliant run for West Ham, you know, an amazing run where Moyes has managed them up to, and I think beyond the potential that people might have thought they had. Like that's a huge thing for them to be in a European semi final. That's my God, like that journey for them, it would have been really exciting for them to get to the final because it would have been nice with this period of resurgence that Moyes had with them, for them to cap it off to something to show for it. And of course they've got a semi final, but it's not the same as like being there in Seville it would have been a really beautiful way to sort of round off a really great few months of form for them
1: I think you saw the difference between a side who heavily rotated for their previous league game and a side who didn't
0: that's interesting I
1: was I, I was really quite surprised when West Ham put out such a strong lineup against Arsenal and I think you kind of saw it a little bit in this game whereas Frankfurt against Leverkusen they were just like they almost put that up as a you know like you get road wins or like uh, schedule mm-hmm. wins schedule losses in the NBA I was just mm-hmm. like mm, no. Nah. They're going to bench a. They're going to sit a load of players for that. That's basically what Frankfurt did against Leverkusen on
0: what was it Monday? I want to throw something in there. I wonder if, and this is maybe for West Ham fans. I wonder if, looking back at the run West Ham have had and the slim margins, if they might look back and be like, "I wish we made a couple more investments along the way." Maybe just in this last in this last few months. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It's not criticism. It's more like because they've been extended on in the in the Europa League, which is obviously like it's a gruelling tournament. And also they had at one point like a really good run at, you know, they had a go at the top four. Mm. They had a go at the top four. So I, I just wonder if it was a question of, oh, I wish we could have strengthened here or here. Mm. Because it feels like this squad has really pushed themselves to, to to a level where they didn't have anything more to give, if that makes sense. Personally,
1: as a neutral, I think it's a real shame that the the way that they got knocked out, I don't know, it just felt a little bit, you have like, the tragedy of the Cresswell red card, which sounds mm. a little bit maybe melodramatic because players get sent off in semi-finals and finals all the time, but it was just so early and it was such a... It was like you know,
0: the Spurs-Liverpool, dis- wasn't it? It's like yeah. Spurs-Liverpool in yeah, yeah, 2019, yeah. same thing.
1: And then Moyes giving it a real negative edge. I think it's really worth remembering for West Ham the journey because so often with, with stuff like this, when you have a, t- a side who is necessarily, isn't necessarily used to going to the stage of European competition... There could be a kind of it's now or never vibe Mm. about it. And sometimes when when you get knocked out, especially in a semi-final, the sense of never can feel really, really heavy. Mm. It so often overshadows all of the positivity that came with that run.
0: Incredible run. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And we had a question actually from Josh Hedge who said, as a West Ham fan, ultimately I feel this is still a hugely successful season, right? And I agree, especially because they're on course to qualify for Europe again. Have we done enough to persuade Declan Rice to stay? I'm not entirely sure. Is my honest answer. However, there was another question that someone wrote to us saying, um,
0: "Can I say this? Can
1: I just throw this in yeah, before sure, sure. because yeah. it's it's related?" Simon Taylor. Last week you said that whether or not West Ham make it to the Europa League final, they're now a destination for big players. As a West Ham fan who has consistently seen us miss out on good players, I fear that the uh, that the Conference League isn't enough to attract real quality or keep bowen and rice etc thoughts
0: okay i was going to say you may lose Declan rice right Hmm. but you may attract the next one yeah and when i when i say when i say you know big players i mean players who look at rodrigo for example wasn't you know that well known outside brazil and look what he's done at madrid look at Rafinha. There are there are so many brilliant players who are two years away from the entire world knowing who they are. And that is the category of player West Ham should be looking to attract because you have the coaching, you have the setup, you have the stability. It's in London. It's an exciting city. Like that is a destination. I mean, for God's sake, West Ham beat Sevilla. I don't think we talked about that enough. Like really, they beat Sevilla in the Europa League. <laughs> that is like, that's the final boss. That like, doesn't get bigger than that. Like um. Yes, you might lose like, Rice and, and Bowen, but like, look where those players were developed. It's the same infrastructure. Like, it's the same. It's not going anywhere. Like, Declan Rice, brilliant player. And if he does get sold, hopefully put lots back into the club. But like, I know this is easy for me to say because I'm a United fan. So United is a buying club and like West Ham gets clubs t- players taken all the time. But what I would also say is, like, look at what Leicester have done. Look how Leicester developed players. If you've got the infrastructure there, there are more brilliant players emerging from that setup. Mm-hmm. It will just take time. And I just think, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's bittersweet for West Ham, obviously, because it would have been lovely to crown this run with something more. At the same time, there's so much positive that can be taken. I hope that once the disappointment subsides... There's excitement again.
1: We've seen from West Ham over the last couple of years that you can be a destination side for a young player, but also really utilise players at other clubs in terms of loan system stuff, like getting players on loan and building that way. I think they'll be okay. And I, I, I think for the next step, and this is this is something that I, w- I wonder whether David Moyes has, as much as the credit that we've given him over the last couple of years for what he's done since he's came back and come back to West Ham, I wonder if there may be a time where he feels like he can't take that side to the next step and they maybe take a chance on a younger coach, you know, like players kind of like buy into, Mm. like when when Potts was at Spurs or Southampton, even, or, you know, we'll talk about him a little bit. I know they went out, but even like someone like a Tedesco, you Mm. know, someone like that might be the next step for West Ham. Because if you think about it, they've only really had like quite established older, not older because Billich wasn't too bold, but they've not really had like a young dynamic coach come in for a no, while I see, I see that I'm not saying for one second get rid of Moyes now but I'm saying maybe when the time does come because it will inevitably come you know football management is like it's like being the mafia boss <laughs> we either get whacked or shit goes south it's just, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, it's true. Really, very few football managers leave on their own terms. You say Moyes you know? going to witness protection program? Exactly. Very <laughs> few football managers get
0: in the witness protection program. Interesting time for West Ham. Really interesting, I think, because also, also, like let's let's also the intangibles of like it's a club that just seems so much happier than two years ago. Yeah, for so like, much, happier. and that, that is. I mean, that sounds not to sound all you know cheesy or whatever, like, but that feels like an achievement in itself. Mm. So yeah, props
1: to Eintracht for going through to the final. Commiserations to West Ham at the beginning of the season. If this is where people told you you'd be in May,
0: that's the thing, isn't it? You have got to step back and look at it. And the red card was just a shame. And this is not to blame Cresswell at all. It's just a shame because it would have been nice to have this game played out eleven versus eleven. I, I still yeah. think I still think the damage was done in the first leg. I think it was I think it was too it was too big an ask to go there and overturn that.
1: Uh, so Eintracht are going to play Rangers. Rangers beat. RB Leipzig 3-1 at Ibrox. This is like such an impressive result. This is This is is such
0: an impressive result.
1: This is absolutely huge. I want to read a quote from Domenico Tedesco. Uh, Derek Ray tweeted this. Domenico Tedesco, who criticised the Leipzig atmosphere last week, said this to RTL about Ibrox and whether it affected RB Leipzig. The atmosphere contributed its part. I have to say it was the best atmosphere I've ever experienced in the stadium anywhere. It was crazy electrifying. He added, and that was the excuse for the first 10 to 15 minutes. After that, we were into the game and had the atmosphere behind us. Everything else is down to things that we that were missing on our part. It's a shame.
0: Really honest. Really honest.
1: I mean, it's a very different, it's a very different kind of atmosphere to Leipzig. It's a very different environment. It diff- has a very different history, all this kind of stuff. And actually, uh, Peter Fisher was interviewed on the pitch after the game. And he was, you know, clearly quite emotional. He had fans coming up to him and giving him kisses and stuff like that. And he said, we're going to play Rangers in the final. And he said, Tradition gig and Tradition. So yeah, tradition versus tradition, which I know a lot of people chime back at because of, you know, Rangers folding or going into administration and having to come back with a different company name, but it's the same club, you know, come on. The thing was, they were really good value for it. It took the lead. Say a Tavernier man was unbelievable. Brilliant,
0: like, brilliant, brilliant uh, work in the build-up by Glenn Kamara, who basically drew, it was like watching a, it was like basketball, like watching someone penetrate the paint and then kick it out for the shooter. Like drew two men, brilliant hold-up play and just released um, uh, the winger. Brian Kent. Yeah, Kent. Crossed, yeah. I, I think it was a shot. I it, think was it was a was, shot. It was think, 100% a shot. I think it was but a who shot. But, who fucking but cares? This is the thing. Like, James Tavernier crashing the box and scores like one in three this year. It's got like a goal in it's three games one. this year. Like, so it was a regular goal scorer. So great movement, like a strikers, striker's movement, striker's finish. That was 1-0. And then- Kamara's goal five minutes later.
1: Oh beauty. my God. This was amazing because, you know, when like a team breaks, for example, and you have a gradual like, oh shit, this is on from the crowd and the crowd, yeah. you can hear the crowd go up. It went from zero to 11. Yes. In an instant. Because even when he hit the shot, there was no, there were no gasps. It was almost like, holy shit, this has gone in. I can't believe we're, we're,
0: we're tuning it up. The passing combination was beautiful. The layoff from right and then like he strokes nice it. Goal. Strokes it with the left. It's so it was clean. He, nice he, he was brilliant, Glenn Kamara. He was superb. Great touch, very combative. And also like, I mean, Calvin Bassey as well. Shout out to him. There was, he was brilliant throughout. There was a point where like he had so much energy even in injury time that I was like, this man's going to go and do press-ups in the car park after the game. Like this, this guy Mm. was so, so on it. But yeah, Rangers, incredible start, like so intense, 2-0 up uh, in no time at all. And this game almost had like three phases. It had that ferocious opening period, then a sort of central period where Leipzig asserted better passing control and Rangers were kind of trying to hit them on the break a bit more. Mm. Um, And then the closing intensity that Rangers came with, and it was kind of a sucker punch because obviously the score ended up 3-1, but for a long period, Rangers were leading 2-0. And yep. just when Leipzig pulled the goal back, brilliant goal from Nkunku. Um, oh, so good. Just after um, a great save by McGregor, actually. So they really turned up the the intensity. Great crossing from Angelino, formerly of the Manchester City Parish, of course. Um, beautiful side foot volley in the top corner from Nkunku. And at that point, I was like, wow, Leipzig might come back into this. But then-, but then John Lundstrom had other ideas. He didn't. It was such an old school. There was something about this game where, and this sounds really, really reductive, but it felt like, the use of like aerial power for Mm. the final goal, just in terms of unbalancing the team. And I think, I don't know how much they have to deal with that type of uh, bombardment. It's not like Rangers weren't playing plenty of great stuff along the floor. Don't get me wrong, but I was really impressed that Rangers used the full, they used the full arsenal, right? Mm. They were playing in behind, combination play, gorgeous goals, like, you know, one touch, but also like they can put it in the air and really like cause, cause trouble and the confusion, in the confusion, um, Golashi came out for the high cross, didn't quite get to it, turned back into the box and Lundström there with a really nice finish because there's a couple of bodies on the line as well that he had to evade. And that, that goal in terms of what that did to Leipzig, I think it, I think it really you know, not, it deflated them, not just in terms of they had to do more in terms of scoring goals, but you could feel like the passing movements were not as slick after that. They were attacking, but it wasn't with the same coordination. There was a desperation that came into the play, I think. Mm. And, they, and even before that, long before that, Rangers had frustrated. Like Danny Olmo was, he found it as tough going as I've seen from him in a while. Like yeah. he really struggled to get his rhythm. That's because the, the defending was so good and the midfield was so good.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, after the game, John Lundstrom dedicated his goal to uh, Rangers former kit man Jimmy Bell. You might have seen Rangers were wearing black armbands. Glenn Kamara took his off and kissed it when he scored. Former Rangers kit man died early this week, age 69. and. There was a really lovely quote from Lundstrom after the game. He just said, words can't describe how much Jimmy meant to us all. He was the bedrock of the club and touched everyone. I've only been here for one season, but he took me in and I can't speak highly enough of him. And I just want to dedicate my goal to him. I absolutely love him to bits.
0: That's beautiful.
1: We need to big up Giovanni Van Br- 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 Broncos. Came in after, obviously, when Gerard went to Villa. Is he going to
0: do the Di Matteo?
1: Is he going to do the Di
0: Matteo? Rangers legend as Rangers legend is both uh, player and manager. Exactly. Really remarkable. I mean, he did a great job at Feyenoord and now he's here at Rangers and just so impressive, so impressive what he's done with them and on this run, you know, beating RB Leipzig, a team that's really surging under Desco, is such a great achievement. This is what
1: makes the final so interesting for me because Rangers haven't be- beat Mickey Mouse sides. They've beat second in the Bundesliga and they've beat a side who is pushing for Champions League in the Bundesliga. If you look at it that way, you should say that they should beat I interact in the final because I interact way further down the table. But we know that it doesn't work like that in one-off games. So I genuinely, and I'm not sitting on the fence here for the sake of sitting on the fence, I genuinely wouldn't even want to call who's going to win that final. It's a flip of a coin. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Some of the performances from both of them throughout this competition have been so good. There's so much momentum with both sides for the competition, for the the journey that Rangers have had coming back up through the leagues over the last decade. Eintracht's like long wait for a European final.
0: And also bear in mind, have you ever seen a greater intensity of traveling fan than Eintracht and Rangers? I can't decide whether the city is going to be more German or more Scottish. I don't, I don't, they should, by the end, they're going to need to add an umlaut. It could be like Muck or something like that. They're going to have to add like an umlaut and a Muck to that name because they're going to turn it Scottish and German. They're just going to descend. Yeah, I would say to the city, to the, the city authorities of Seville, please stock up on on food and drink. Let's just say I was in Manchester when they
1: played Zenit in that your your Cup final, and <laughs>
0: I shouldn't laugh.
1: Oh boy, let's take a quick break, and yeah. then we'll come back. Still.
0: A tearful Jose Mourinho, bless him,
1: he wanted it more than he knew he wanted it.
0: It's a big deal. Like, it's a big deal for someone. Jose. Someone said he could be the first manager to win the Champions League, the Europa League and the Conference League. And that's actually a bit bittersweet because... Well, I mean, it is the first year of the Conference League. Yeah, but it's a bittersweet. It's a, yeah, it is. And also, it's a bittersweet thing because it almost shows the kind of s- slow descent down the footballing pyramid. Not that he's, Roma's not a huge club, but in terms of Mourinho's own arc...
1: Yeah. I mean, we all remember the famous, like, I don't even want to compete for the Europa League. And then when he got into Europa League,
0: he was just like, oh, actually it's not so bad. Well, because he likes, obviously like he's, you know, he's obsessed with winning things, which, you know, it's it's the job. But also I think for Roma to have something to show for the season is quite powerful and important for him and for the players because Roma, Roma have not fully delivered on the promise. So look at the quality in that squad. I expect them to be a little bit higher in the league than they are. So I think they've underperformed a little in, in, in Syria, a little bit, not not a That's huge. Top four was pretty good though. Yeah, but at crucial points this season when the momentum was up. I think there were points in the right. season where earlier on they could have turned more of those um, those draws into wins uh, and the losses into draws. What I would say though is that it's really nice that you've got the key protagonists or the protagonists in this like Roma squad all performing and delivering for him. Mm. that's really exciting because the thing with Mourinho is always like, can he motivate the players? Can he get them on side? But they are, they're they're aligned. This was a classic, Mourinho, we take the lead and it's done. You know that that amazing run he went on when he was like Mm. unbeaten at home in the league for like nine, like nine, ten years, whatever. Forever. This felt like that.
1: Shouts for Tammy's goal, which is an absolute bullet header, and it went straight at Schmeichel. And Schmeichel just couldn't get his hands up quick enough because it was—it went like a. can catch a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, I think you're right about what. Like, Leicester didn't really create a huge amount of dangerous opportunities. It was all like pot shots from outside the box, or like dragged shots, or it was just stuff that was fairly comfortable for Roma
0: everything felt in front of them mm, no cohesion yeah no real sort of yeah sustained attacking threat
1: you saw how how important it is to Roma because 31 years since it's their last european final and the has sold out and it's hard to sell that stadium out and they've done it consistently through this this knockout stages of the competition it means a hell of a lot to them it's, this isn't a, a throwaway thing for them and i think that's the great thing about all of the finals you don't have anyone in the Europa League final who dropped in from the Champions League. And you don't have anyone in the Conference League final who dropped in from the Europa League. Rangers went into Champions League qualification, but they were in the Europa League group stages. Mm. So every finalist has been there from the group stages, which to me is, is mega. Because I really don't like when you have a Europa League final of two sides who have would dropped out the el- Champions League. Would rather League. be elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really, really great to see four finalists in those competitions who genuinely want to be there like Feyenoord their first one in 20 years. Arnold slots done an amazing job since he's been in there. Yeah. They were f- they were fairly comfortable against Marseille actually I think
0: especially in that environment.
1: Yeah, I mean Marseille lost to uh, Dimitri Paye early on. Milik came on
0: half an hour in I think. Marseille had a couple ahead of headed chances, yeah.
1: They, again it wasn't like they really created anything. Quite similar to Roma in a way f- f- Feyenoord just
0: had everything under control. Kind of under control, yeah. I think you take trophies where you can get them. So this is a disappointment. If we look how they played in the last, the last game, like this is a, it's, it's, you don't get to the semis unless you're really after it. I just think there was a lack of intensity in this game and maybe players who've been good so far in this run didn't fully deliver. I mean, just before Pyatt went off, he missed a chance that peak Pyatt scores and he was frustrated yeah. with that. It's not a criticism. It's just that when you come out and you're slightly below your best, it's frustrating because it's a big moment for them. It's a big ask so yeah
1: so we've got Real Madrid against Liverpool we've got Eintracht Frankfurt against Rangers and we've got Roma against Feyenoord three very
0: old school looking European finals it's very very 1970s 1980s yeah. it really late, is isn't late it? 70s early 80s yeah very much so Yeah.
1: let's dive into a couple of questions because Emily Orem says this feels like it's been one of the best European seasons for a long time do you guys agree yes I do actually yes yes, yeah. yes definitely yeah. I think fans being back pretty much everywhere barb Germany and a couple of other places throughout the group stages early knockouts but I think fans being back pretty much fully has really helped obviously and it's kind of felt like
0: football again yeah the away goals rule as well I think has um, been interesting
1: Well, we had this from Andrew Blair said, have the games that have been played since the post-group stages in all of the European comps finally put the nail in the coffin of away goals? And We said this before, like I personally thought it was an okay thing. There was a lot of Ferrari around the initial Mm. thing. I remember tweeting saying, you just don't know how this is going to work because Mm. it might take a while for tactical thinking in away legs to shift. With stuff like this, you need a large sample size, right? It's Mm. just data 101. Initially, everyone looked at that Real Madrid performance away at PSG, I think, completely out of context. And as we've now seen, tactically, it was perfect. Mm. And they scored three away at Man City. It isn't really affecting, I don't think, teams' performances away from home, if anything. I think it kind of allows teams to play a little bit freer because they know that the consequences of a single goal... Are uh, just a single goal. Yeah, it's just a goal. Emisa, a goal. It's just a goal. Exactly. Put that on the t-shirt.
0: <laughs> exactly. But what do you think? Obviously, it's just a few de- uh, a, a few games with the away goal rule having gone. But I feel rather like you. I feel like it enables teams just to go for it. Mm. Like you lose a game in one leg, and you can kind of reset the next game. And go, okay, we're two down. Like let's just carry on playing. It's a bit like just changing, just changing halves at, at half time now, isn't it? Yeah. And from that perspective, when you look at that way, you think actually the away goal rule is pretty harsh because it's like. Before you could change halves at half time, and all of a sudden the jeopardy is greater. It doesn't seem, in hindsight, maybe doesn't seem entirely fair. But yeah, I just think if these, if these knockout rounds are an advert for away goals not coming back, then why not? I'm all right with it. Listen, I, I'm a big fan of certain rules that have never really stuck around in football, like the golden goal. I love the golden goal. Yeah, no, I thought that. I hate it. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> no, for- because the thing with, uh, no, no, I'm not even getting into this. No, nope. you know, I liked it because it was dramatic. That's a generational gap. I liked it because it was dramatic. No, it's a drama gap. It was dramatic.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it was, but it was ridiculous. It was. Also, there's part of me that thinks that if you make it to extra time.
0: You deserve all of the time. Yeah, you deserve, to, you deserve the whole thing. A full half hour. Yeah. I see that. I see that.
1: If games are nil-nil and they go to extra time, they should actually be, a, that's the rule change I would make. If it's nil-nil in the tie on aggregate or in the game itself, mm. straight to penalties. That's interesting. Like you don't deserve extra time.
0: Wow, that's authoritarian. Let's have a
1: couple of other questions. Fabian says, given the excellent games in the Europa and Conference League, do you think these competitions will get the respect they deserve? And ravindra Clare said, has the introduction of the Conference League been a success?
0: I was concerned about squad debt for the Conference League, but you can only see... If you look at the clubs that have been in the Conference League and what they brought to it, and some we've had some like big matches, like Union Berlin, have been fantastic in that tournament. I think it's been great. Actually, I do too.
1: I had a little. I had some reservations initially. Part of that is down to the very bloated nature of the Europa League and the Conference League. You know, the qualification, the dropping in from other competitions, that then expands to a round of thirty-two and then a round of sixteen. It's just, it's a lot. That's a lot. That's an yeah. extremely big tournament. I would still like it to be a little bit more streamlined and the consequences of going out of the Champions League group stages to be that you are out of the Champions League Mm. and likewise with the Europa League. Yeah, maybe it's cool because it throws up, you know, like Dortmund against Rangers or something like that. But, you know, like we said, those four teams have got to the final and they were in the the competition at the group stages. That's really cool, but that should happen every year because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. I don't really, and this is the thing with UEFA, like, they do so many things right in a football sense, but they do so many things wrong. They are the complete, like, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit thing. Yeah. This is what makes it so frustrating with them because you're like, guys, it's right there. You have the most amazing collection of stuff
0: there and you never quite... Stop tampering with some you of You even it. never yeah, yeah.
1: quite stick the landing right. I still think that doing straight knockout in the Conference League would be unbelievable.
0: I like that. Old school UEFA Cup vibes. Because we've seen how
1: great two-legged tyres are. Yeah. The fun really gets going when the tyres get two-legged. I think a lot
0: of people at UEFA might even agree in terms of the quality of the football, but they might say, well, revenue generation for the group stages.
1: Yeah, I, but also I agree with to. that. That's fine. And yeah. I can deal with it. i tell you what, if they agree not to do this bullshit week of football for the semi-final oh God, knockout. Oh God, The final four. And the single leg stuff. Oh. If they agree not to do that, I'll let them keep the group stage.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Why are they keep tampering with a thing that people love and that works. I'm not about, I'm not against change or reform or whatever, but it's when you're squeezing every, you're squeezing every bit of juice, every bit of, and because it's all, it's all about money, really. Someone's obviously run the numbers and been like, hang on a minute, a week of football, we can get this sponsor, that sponsor, that sponsor, they'll sponsor this for a week. It's all like money first and entertainment second. and. My one fear with these things is you keep taking the entertainment for granted, eventually you lose the entertainment. You know? You keep loading all this stuff on, like loading don't get me started on the World Cups and all the rest of it, but like yeah, you keep loading all this football or different formats into the mix without thinking about what's at the core of this, what makes this tournament special. And it's the marquee nature of it. And I don't mean marquee as in like, "Oh, let's have a whole week of leader." I mean as in like. The Champions League weekend, as it is, is an epic thing in itself. Even if it's a few, a few, fewer million euros in the bank from different sponsors. Mm. That's my, t- that's why I, just, I, I feel resigned to it. Cause I'm just like, it's not broken and you're going to keep trying to fix it.
1: Let's finish on a fun question from Kevin Skinker, who said, I fell asleep in the 86th minute of Madrid versus City. <gasps> oh, because no. it was around 5am here in the Philippines. What is the worst thing you've ever missed because you fell asleep too early? I'm going to sound really smug
0: here. I have not yet had that misfortune. I haven't yet. Nothing at all? No, I haven't. I haven't. Because um, because you never sleep. Well, like, the thing about football matches, I, I've got a thing about football matches and completion, right? I don't I've got think the, it's like a, f- a football specific, huh? Um, I'm, yeah, I, right. I don't sleep that much. Yeah, exactly. I basically what, I sleep like, basically, like four hours a night. Oh my god, the cat's out of the bag. I sleep like four or five hours a night, like continuously. So I'm not really there's not much I miss. I mean, I suppose there's been some basketball that I've missed because it's on too late. But generally speaking, I've been okay. Sorry to disappoint. That's just a very honest answer, but yeah.
1: Um the worst thing I've missed because I fell asleep too early. Don't think I can answer that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Oh my goodness, we're playing out on no.
1: all right then let's get out of here let's do it let's do it uh, much love everyone thanks for persevering with us for four episodes this week we're we'll back on monday and uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer the stadio outros players on spotify speaking of which we needed something noisy and kind of epic for this week to do the european knockouts justice so we picked stratosphere by duster gonna let this one roll Anything you want to add, I think you should add something because this now's the time. I, Come on. Why
0: should I? Add? There's nothing to add. Because everyone's hanging on your every word. No, and no, I don't like the attention. I'm not like that. It's not. Shut like... up. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> it's 248 episodes. You can't hide You can't bullshit anymore. Do you know how tired I am at the moment? I was making omelet this morning, and I instead of cracking the egg into the cup, I cracked it back into the box. <laughs> my brain is completely i'm I'm, I'm like i'm really tired at the moment and i shouldn't even be that tired so yeah i'm not i'm not sound enough to uh to have a grand closing statement wow
1: do you know what that made me feel genuinely grateful for the times when you say nothing to add exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right much love everyone have a good weekend we'll be back on
0: monday take care see you then